The Gonzaga Bulldogs may be off to a slower start this season, but 2023 commit Dusty Stromer is not. After balling out at the Hoopal West tournament over the weekend, could he end up being an all-time Zag in the future? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. Today's episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Thrilled to be joined today again by Jason Jordan. Jason, thank you, of course, for coming on. As always, really want to talk here about Dusty Stromer and the Hoop Hall West tournament, especially in his game against Brophy. He got a lot of attention. I think he's six for six from the three in the first half of that contest. 24 points really kind of showcased some of those skills that, that have Gonzaga fans really excited about what this kid might bring to the team in 2023. What did you see from him in this tournament? You know, consistency, you know, yeah. he, he had a, coming off a, a, a strong summer. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you always look, this is the biggest tournament to start the season. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking to see what carry carried over, obviously, yeah. <laughs> obviously yeah. a lot carried right. over and dusty, you know, um, but six, six, obviously everybody talks about his ability to stretch the defense, but, mm-hmm. and to your point, I mean, he, he did that, but then right. he also showed uh, plenty of ability as a playmaker. Um, mm-hmm. He had, he had some great Euros, you know, yeah. Um, his vision was great. Um, obviously, he's got great size at 6'6". Mm-hmm. Um, and he just showed, you know, his ability to, to play even like a point forward position. Yeah. Um, so he's going to be a guy who continues to excel and move. I think as mm-hmm. I always say as spacing for guys like that, mm-hmm. at that size and that skill set, as spacing mm-hmm. increases, uh, so does production. Right. You know, so um, when he's able to maneuver and, you know, then he's got. Uh, you're not going to be able to keep. Now, keep in mind, he plays for Notre Dame, who, who we have ranked as the number 20 team in the country. So, right. I mean, right. it, 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 this is a traveling all-star team, and he's the best player. Yeah. So, um, you know, they're taking down, playing national schedules, playing in national tournaments, obviously. So, mm-hmm. I just want that perspective. Like, it's they, they're the best of the best, and right. so you know, he's he's on a stage where he's the best on one of the best teams in the country. So mm-hmm. that. Get that keep that perspective in mind, but going 30, dropping 30, 28, and 30. I mean, he's averaging 30 for the come on, yeah, come on, you know, <laughs> you know. Um, so I, you know, he was probably the and I, you know, probably the most impressive player there. That's a safe pick, right? Um, there at Hoopal West, but um, I think more so than anything was his ability to showcase his offensive repertoire, not just that. Mm-hmm. People who look at him and say, oh, catch and shoot guy. Well, not, not at all. He can create his own shot. He can right. create for the teammates. And he has extended NBA uh, line extended range mm-hmm. on his perimeter jump shot. So all around great, uh, amazing start to the to the senior season for him. For me, I'm really interested for Gonzaga. They have a lot of kind of archetypes that they've brought in in the past, you know, and I know that another 2023 prospect for them, uh, Alex Tui, he's probably going to play more of that 
kind of Corey Kispert, Julian Strother, small ball right. four, stretch the defense kind of role, which makes me kind of curious. Dusty's a little bigger than many of the other kind of combo guards that Gonzaga has had in the past. You know, you look at Rissier Bolton, who's a little bit smaller, very talented, obviously, but Dusty seems like he's going to have a little bit more size, but obviously the skill set kind of screams Gonzaga two guard, a guy who can stretch the floor, get out and transition, do a little bit of everything. Is that sort of the role you see yeah. him filling in Marfu's offense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's going to have to be in a position where he can he can have the ball in his hands yeah. and he's able to create and have that uh, creative license to do that. He's mm-hmm. smart enough. He has a high IQ. Yeah. Um, so and I mean, I don't have to tell Mark Few that he's a legend. So, <laughs> you know, Mark, yeah. if you didn't know that. Mark, Mark, right <laughs> ball, you know, do what he does. Thank yeah. me later. Thank me later. But um, yeah, he's definitely going to need the ball in his hands, but honestly, he moves really well without the ball. Right. Um, so, you know, I just think that people are starting to see what, you know, we saw this summer and, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously that it's a, it's a testament to his work ethic because a lot of guys, you know, mm-hmm. they get missing for like a month yep. after peach jam and after Adidas right. gauntlet and after underarm association, they get missing for like a month, which I understand, mm-hmm. but the special kids, they get back in that gym at five o'clock in the yeah. morning that next day. And um, I know a lot of handful, a handful of kids that do that, but most of them don't. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jason, I kind of want to switch gears on you a little bit and talk about another recruiting topic. Uh, kind of want to want to discuss how year to year performance impacts recruiting. Now it's not really a secret that Gonzaga has been a bit disappointing this year. Now they're still a top, 15 top 20 team in the country they've played a murderous schedule I have spent the last month and a half defending Gonzaga because of their schedule and because how it's making them better they're going to be good in March etc etc but one of the curious kind of questions that has come up and obviously these things have likely been altered by the transfer portal and the NIL era in a significant way but Curious how much individual year-to-year performance can impact recruiting, as in if a team is maybe having one bad year, like North Carolina having an off-season or Gonzaga having an off-season, or even like when Duke or or Kentucky or some of those teams have off-seasons, like does one year really impact their ability to get high-level recruits? uh, Or is it kind of one of those things that uh, that's not really at the forefront of a lot of high school kids' minds? Yeah, um, I would say – that's no, a great question. I I would say no, by and large, no. Yeah. The way it would is other coaches will use that as a tool sure. to say, I'm telling you, man, look, yeah. I've been hearing this and mm-hmm. this is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. I'm saying that I'm just, I ain't saying, I've heard this one a few mm-hmm. times. I ain't saying no names, but I'm just, everybody might not be there on staff next year. That's all I'm hearing, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. it, it, it will, imp- and you'd be surprised at what, what kind of impact that will make on somebody's mama. And yeah, somebody's uncle that, mm-hmm. that you know handles things for them, and you know, then they kind of filtrate that to the player, and it's kind of like, I mean, you know, I mean, I was gonna look at them, but you know, I mean, they want my favorite, you know, that kind of thing. Right. I've seen that happen, but mm-hmm. uh, by and large, I would say, um, you know, these kids, especially the kids uh, at the top tier, think mm-hmm. they're the savior, so right, <laughs> it, you know, mm-hmm. it kind of looks like. Yeah, that's because they didn't have me. And and that's the sale. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, see, we need you as a playmaker. We had you this year. Man, right. can you suit up? Can you su- come on now? You know, you're, you're the piece we need. And that's the set. That's how they have to kind of mm-hmm. plug it in there. I know some schools will, who shall remain nameless are already <laughs> using that one, you know. Yeah. Um, so I would say that's the the lane opposing schools use. And then that's the counter mm-hmm. that the school recruiting you would use. So and I would say the impact isn't 
you know, when they get on campus and they're for official visit, they hear the name chanted at a football game and a basketball game. Yeah. And, you know, it, especially for a, I would say for a school like y'all, like yeah. Gonzaga, mm-hmm. it's not going to it's not going to really. Right. I mean, it would be great if, you know, you know, if we were winning and we were mm-hmm. living up to the hype right now. I, I agree with you that they'll be better in February, March, January, right. February, March. Um. And they have played a murderer's role, so let's be clear. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, perspective is everything. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, no, by and large, no, that doesn't, not year over year. Now, if you see something consistent, then we can start talking about, oh, that head coach is going to get fired. I've heard, I'm telling you, I heard this. And, <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> and then they start asking the coach, and the coach gets mad, and he's like, man, these guys out here lying. I've heard all this stuff. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But year over year, year to year, no. Uh-uh, yeah. Absolutely not. Cool. Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show again. Always appreciate your insight. Looking forward to the next time. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Well, the WCC built on their rapidly growing reputation with a pair of big wins over ranked teams this past week. Could this be the best conference season yet? We're going to get into that more. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about Omaha Steaks. The holidays are here. Achieve gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks is America's original butcher since 1917 and a holiday gift that guaranteed to be loved. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have put together special curated gift packages to help take the guesswork out of gifting and make you a holiday hero. Go to omahasteaks.com and use code LOCKEDON at checkout to get $30 off your order. Send an assortment of mouthwatering favorites guaranteed to impress like the legendary butcher's cut filet mignon, air-chilled boneless chicken, ultra-juicy burgers, and even easy-to-prepare comfort meals that are ready in a flash. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, so shop early and beat the shipping rush. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. A minimum order may be required. All right, segment two, still any patents, still Locked On Zags. I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, it's Wednesday, which means it is WCC Wednesday, and we got two segments talking about the West Coast Conference. We're going to talk about some big upcoming games that are going down for some of the teams in the WCC in the third and final segment. Before that, though, I want to talk about two really big victories that the WCC picked up. It was by the two teams that historically you would expect to do so, of course, outside of Gonzaga. That is St. Mary's and BYU. We'll start with the Gales, everybody's favorite team uh, in the WCC, of course. Uh, They picked up a huge win over then number 22 ranked San Diego State. It was kind of a battle for two of the best mid-major programs on the West Coast that are not named Gonzaga. St. Mary's secured the victory. They held San Diego State to just 26 points in the second half. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that San Diego State is some elite offensive team. They're not. They are more Similar to Sandy, or excuse me, similar to St. Mary's in a lot of ways as a team that kind of identity is is primarily on the defensive end of the floor. 
Regardless, this is still a team that typically scores more than 26 points and a half. So, of course, a hat tip to Randy Bennett and the Gales for what they were able to accomplish on the defensive end of the floor. The big story in this one, though, freshman guard Aiden Mahaney. My goodness, he is going to be a thorn, thorn, thorn in Gonzaga's side for the next three, four years, depending how long he chooses to stay with the program. Australian point guard, top 40, I believe, prospect in the recruiting class, a guy that Jason Jordan of Sports Illustrated spoke to me about prior to the season as being a guy that Gonzaga fans are going to get all too familiar with during his career with the Gales. And so far, it looks like that is very much the case. He had 20 points in this game against San Diego State, six of nine shooting. That is pretty darn efficient. You look at St. Mary's, you look at Randy Bennett and what they like to do. They love to have long, drawn-out 29.9-second possessions using as much of the shot clock as possible. It's not always the most aesthetic basketball to watch. I know many people do not like watching St. Mary's, not just because they are Gonzaga's rival, but because they are a very, very different brand of basketball than the brand that Gonzaga plays. Uh, But what they kind of thrive on and what they need in order to be successful the reason that Randy's teams can be a bit unpredictable at times is you need efficiency. If you're going to take less shots than a team like Gonzaga or Arizona, or frankly, most teams in college basketball because of how they run their team offensively and because of how much pressure they put on opposing offenses with their defense, you have to be efficient with the shots that you take. You can't have you know guys who like to chuck up a bunch of shots, who take four or five possessions to really get warm. Like those kind of players can thrive in other situations. They don't thrive at St. Mary's. A guy like Aiden Mahaney scoring twenty points on nine shots—that is what thrives. That is what works in Randy Bennett's offense. He was a really, really clutch performer down the stretch too. Six of six from the free throw line. All of them came in the final couple of minutes while San Diego State was fouling, attempting to get back into the contest. For Mahaney, a true freshman, he looks like a baby on the basketball court. He's probably 18. He looks it. Uh, For him to be calm, cool, collected, knock down all six of these free throws, Really, really nice performance. I was recently speaking with Zach Farmer, who hosts the unofficial WCC Hoops podcast. Uh, He's a St. Mary's fan. I spoke to him on the Locked On College Basketball podcast. Check that out if you have not done so yet. He said that there are some parallels, and he was careful to not fully compare Aiden Mahaney to Patty Mills because that is a very – it's a lot. So it's a strong comparison to make for a player who is barely a month into his collegiate career, but there are parallels between the first month and a half of Patty Mills' collegiate career and the first month and a half of Aiden Mahaney's career. There is a chance that Aiden Mahaney is as poised of a guard, especially this early in his career, as St. Mary's has ever had, and that is a remarkable group of players. Love or hate St. Mary's, mostly hate for the group of people listening to this podcast. They have had some incredible guard play. Jordan Ford, very Tommy Cousy, of course, most recently, walk-on who turned into a now NBA player, or at least a G League player. Uh, Jordan Ford, fantastic player. Joe Rahan, Emmett Nahr, Patty Mills, of course, Matthew Delavadova still playing in the NBA. Really long list of a successful, accomplished guards. Aiden Mahaney is going to be next. He's on that list already. He has been absolutely fantastic so far uh, for the Gales. Uh, St. Mary's 20th in the country in Ken Palm right now. They have three losses. They lost to the number one at the time, Houston Cougars, uh, only by five 
They lost to New Mexico, who is undefeated. Their worst loss comes to the Washington Huskies. That's still not a bad group of losses for this team to have. It'll be interesting to see if at some point they can kind of crawl their way back into being a ranked team. And then, of course, the BYU Cougars. BYU defeating the Creighton Blue Jays uh, might say a little bit more about Creighton than it says about BYU. Uh, unfortunately, Creighton is now on a five-game losing streak, doing their best North Carolina impression where you kind of get into that top 10, top 5 conversation and quickly just throw it all away with multiple losses. Creighton was without Ryan Kalkbenner, their starting center, in this game, and they and it showed. They got out-rebounded 50-29. to 29. 21 more rebounds for BYU, a not particularly great rebounding team. Fusini Traore, the big man, Traore, excuse me, 11 points, 12 rebounds in this game. The big star, Coastal Carolina transfer point guard Rudy Williams, who got benched earlier in the year because he wasn't performing as a starter. 26 points, four rebounds, four assists off the bench. BYU now has wins over Creighton and Dayton. Two very solid programs that have not lived up to expectations this year, which kind of hurts BYU a little bit just because those games are not as big a wins as they could have been. They also have losses to Butler, USC, and San Diego State. None of those are necessarily bad losses, but the loss to Utah Valley and the loss to South Dakota definitely do qualify as bad losses and are going to hamper this team's ability to to kind of make an impact uh, or really challenge for an NCAA tournament spot. I mean, right now they're 93rd in Ken Palm, 6-5 and five record, so they do not look like an NCAA tournament team. They are probably not going to be an NCAA tournament team, barring, of course, winning the automatic qualifier in the WCC tournament. Uh, what I'm really curious about, though, is kind of where they do end up, where, where in the WCC standings are we going to see BYU? This is their last year in the WCC, and for so long they've been kind of the consistent third team. Hey, it's Gonzaga, it's St. Mary's, it's BYU, and then it's everybody else. And, and that might not be the case this year. Last year certainly was not the case with San Francisco taking a significant step forward, making the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1998. Uh, and they're going to be kind of right in that conversation as well. And looking at Ken Palm, which Ken Palm data is always very, very good and reliable, but it's a little bit inconsistent, especially early in the season when teams have played really wildly different schedules. But it is notable there are five WCC teams all within a very close proximity to each other on the Ken Palm rankings right now. That is BYU, who is 93rd as we're having this conversation here. Uh, USF, 10 spots behind them at 103. Portland, just four spots behind them at 107. Santa Clara, 10 spots later at 117, and then the Lions of LS, LMU, excuse me, at 121st. So you got five teams all kind of within striking distance of each other, at least in terms of Ken Palm, all with vaguely similar records uh, on the actual basketball court, not just looking at them analytically. Uh, I'm curious how this is going to shake out. I'm going to give a prediction here, too. First of all, one and two, Gonzaga, St. Mary's. Yes, St. Mary's and Gonzaga. The gap between those two programs has shrank, uh, but I'm still going to take Gonzaga number one. So the Gales are going to be number two. After that, quite frankly, I'm still sticking with the Portland Pilots, Shantae Leggins, and what that squad has done. I think there's a reasonable chance, assuming they stay and remain healthy going into conference play with Moses Wood and with the, the way that Tyler Robertson has played, I think this is the third best team in the WCC. And I think that there's a reasonable chance that by the time the NCAA tournament rolls around that they are, I don't know if they'll be in the conversation for a bid, but they, that they'll be the third place team in the conference. I got BYU fourth. And then surprisingly, I have Santa Clara fifth. And I think the reason that is surprising is as somebody who has long championed the Dons 
of San Francisco, who's very excited about uh, Chris Gerlison taking over for Todd Golden. Uh, obviously, this team lost Jamari Bouye and Yuhen Masalski. Uh, so far this year, they haven't been bad necessarily. Their loss to New Mexico isn't a bad loss. New Mexico is one of the few undefeated teams remaining in all of college basketball. But I'm just not confident that this team has the depth and they has the size up front to, to be a top five team in the WCC. It says a little bit more, I think, about BYU and Santa Clara and some of those other teams. Uh, but that's kind of where I have the Dons right now. I got them sixth, rounding out the WCC just for fun. Let's do the preseason rankings all the way through. Uh, Dons at sixth, LMU seventh, Pepperdine eighth, and then Steve Lavin, San Diego Toreros ninth, and of course bringing it up at the back, the Pacific Tigers. Well, the WCC has multiple opportunities to pick up victories over ranked opponents this week, or at least over very, very good undefeated opponents this week. Uh, here and why to tune in. How and why to tune into those matchups here after a word from Bet Online. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. College basketball and the NBA are back in action. Of course, college football enters their bowl season, and the NFL still has a couple of weeks to go. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, still hammering through WCC Wednesday, one of my favorite days of the week. Love getting an opportunity to look at this conference for as long as Gonzaga remains in this conference. We will see if that is something that changes in the next year or so. But for now, I'm excited to look at the next couple of days for the WCC, some really exciting uh, upcoming matchups that Fans of the conference, fans of Gonzaga who may want to see what some of Gonzaga's future opponents might look like, have some really good opportunities to check out some great basketball this week, starting with, as you're listening to this, most likely on Wednesday, Wednesday evening, 7 p.m., New Mexico State out of the Western Athletic Conference is heading to Moraga to face the Gales of St. Mary's. This is a matchup between the 113th ranked team in Ken Palm and, of course, St. Mary's, the 20th ranked team in Ken Palm. 113, for the record, puts, puts New Mexico State right in between where USF, Portland, Santa Clara, LMU, all of those teams. So New Mexico State is kind of right in that range in terms of their, their production so far this season. In theory, that should mean that this is a win for the Gales, especially at their home court. Uh, New Mexico State's had a odd season. That's probably a, a, a bit of an under-exaggerated way to describe it, considering the circumstances surrounding uh, players' significant injury, bringing a gun on the road trip. There was all sorts of chaos around that story. If you have not checked it out uh, and you want to, for some reason, you can read plenty of articles about it. It's a pretty harrowing story and uh, one that doesn't look good at all for New Mexico State and their coaches. Uh, they have struggled in light of that, I would imagine. Uh, they're typically the whack favorites this year. Might not be the year for, for New Mexico State uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, namely Sam Houston and Stephen F. Austin have played fantastic basketball. Seattle U looks like a team that could win the whack as well. 
But still, New Mexico State's been a team that's been in the NCAA tournament for many, many years in a row. And it's always nice to pick up a, a win against a team like that. St. Mary should have a good opportunity to do so on Wednesday evening, 7 p.m. Then we get into Saturday slate. And boy, howdy, this Saturday, just an incredible day of college basketball. If you have the ability to throw the sweatpants on early in the day, put some whatever your drink of choice is alongside your coffee, inside your coffee, whatever it may be, and just watch college hoops from 10 a.m. when the Zags tip off all the way until the end of the day. I highly recommend it. It sounds like a fantastic way to spend a sleepy Saturday before the holidays. Uh, many good games, including a handful in the WCC, hopefully some opportunities to watch some of Gonzaga's future opponents here. Uh, first up is San Francisco at UNLV, playing at the Thomas and Max Center in Las Vegas. That game is scheduled for 2 p.m. It's a nice matchup as well between 103rd San Francisco in Ken Palm versus 72 for UNLV. The big story here, UNLV is undefeated. UNLV is one of very few remaining teams that are undefeated. San Francisco is kind of in the midst of a stretch of games where they had the ability to potentially unseat any of those teams. They were playing an undefeated Utah State team, also in the Mountain West, and they lost that one quite badly. In fact, I think they got beat by 18 by the Aggies there. Then they played New Mexico, also undefeated, also in the Mountain West. Lobos took care of them by just a couple of points, a really close one there. Now the Dons get to play at UNLV, on the road, another undefeated team. And guess what? Another team also in the Mountain West. Not sure what's going on there. Mountain West, three undefeated teams. Uh, USF, an opportunity to play all of them. Uh, 0-2 so far. This would obviously be a nice, nice win for Chris Gerlofsson, a really signature win early in his collegiate career. Uh, I think this is a dangerous UNLV team. I think 72 feels a little low for them based on the fact that they are undefeated, although they haven't played a particularly rigorous schedule. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if USF can respond from the loss against New Mexico and come out and play themselves uh, a good game here in the desert. Next up is, of course, a in-state rivalry, a very fun one. One hour later, starting on Saturday at 3 p.m. between the Utah Utes and the BYU Cougars. This game is in Provo. It is going to be a packed house at the Marriott Center for Utah BYU, 42 versus 93 in the Ken Palm rankings. I think any game within about 50 spots in Ken Palm, at that point, you're kind of looking at a close contest depending on the home or a road situation here. Yes, BYU is 49 spots below Utah in the Ken Palm rankings, but it is at the Marriott Center, and Utah has a lot of helium right now. This They were not a team expected to be even in the top half of the Pac-12, kind of expected eighth, ninth range as well. Craig Smith, pretty early in his collegiate coaching career, a team that had some nice additions via the transfer portal, but was kind of uncertain what they were going to look like. But then, of course, in their first Pac-12 game, they did what the Pac-12 likes to do, which is cannibalize itself, and they took down Tommy Lloyd and the Arizona Wildcats, also picked up a win over Washington State. Utah is looking like a pretty dangerous team at this point in the year. If, if uh, BYU is able to beat Utah after beating Dayton, after beating Creighton, yeah, they got some ugly losses on their record, but this would be another nice Power 5 victory for the BYU Cougars. We'll see if they can come out and secure one here on Saturday afternoon. A couple hours after that, for people who are still wanting to watch as much WCC basketball as possible, you got Portland at Oregon. The Pilots heading down I-5 to go play at Matt Knight Arena against the Oregon Ducks, a team that has been 
really belittled by injuries so far this season. Uh, you know, they struggled with Keyshawn Bartholomew has been out their transfer point guard from Colorado. They were missing Nefali Dante for a while. Brennan Rigsby was out for a while. They're starting to get a little bit healthy right now. Portland, of course, has been dealing with some injuries as well to Mike Meadows, Chris Austin, not sure if he's going to make it back this year, but Portland beat Villanova. They of course hung with North Carolina and Michigan state in the PK invitational Oregon also defeated Villanova in the Phil Knight invitational. I uh, was playing in that seven, eight game, which is not where they expected to be. Uh, we'll see if Portland is able to pull off a victory and earn themselves some in-state bragging rights against a relatively inconsistent Oregon squad. And then we got Santa Clara versus Cal. I like to highlight anytime WCC teams play power five opponents because every time a WCC team, especially a WCC team that's not Gonzaga or St. Mary's or BYU for that matter, every time they defeat a power five team, I think it helps lend some credence and some kind of respectability to the conference. However, Santa Clara versus Cal is probably not going to have that impact. Why? Because Cal is horrible horrible, horrible, horrible basketball team. Uh, I don't typically like to dunk all over teams this way, but Cal is 0-11. They're one of two undefeated or two winless teams in all of college basketball. Somehow the two winless teams in college basketball are both power five programs, Louisville and Cal. Yikes. It has been a really, really rough season for Mark Fox's squad. Uh, it does not seem like Cal's particularly interested in even making a change here. Uh, this may be content with having a very bad basketball team. They are 260th in Ken Palm. Do you know how rare it is for a non-power, excuse me, for a power five program to be outside the top 250 in Ken Palm? I don't have data for you. So unfortunately I can't give you an answer to that, but I suspect that it is pretty darn rare. Santa Clara, again, 117th in Ken Palm should take care of this one. It's at home for Santa Clara. Home game against the Power 5 program. I'm sure the crowd's going to be juiced, even if it is Cal. Uh, I expect this to be a really nice win for the Broncos, or at least a win. Maybe not as nice of a win as you would hope, but at least a victory for Santa Clara. Next up, San Diego, the Steve Lavin-led Toreros at on the road against Bobby Hurley's Arizona State squad. This game is taking place on Sunday, December 18th at 4 p.m. The Santa Clara-Cal game, by the way, is at 2 p.m. on Sunday, so you can watch these two Games back-to-back -back WCC versus Pac-12 action. USD is going to have a much harder time securing a victory over a Pac-12 foe than Santa Clara should. Uh, this is a matchup between Ken Palm 164 in Santa Clara and 30, or excuse me, in San Diego and 38 for Arizona State. This is a really good Sun Devils team. Four starters came via the transfer portal. They added the Cambridge brothers, Desmond Cambridge from Nevada, Devin Cambridge from Auburn. Both those guys have been fantastic this year. Frankie Collins out of Michigan has been a really nice addition for them as well. Warren Washington transfer also from Nevada. Really nice squad that Bobby Hurley has for Arizona State. They're deep. They're strong. They're a good outside shooting team. They have a nice identity on defense. Uh, San Diego hasn't, hasn't lived up to the expectations so far. There was hope that this team could challenge for top five, top four, based on making some strong additions via the transfer portal. They added Eric Williams out of Oregon. They added Jaden Delaire out of Stanford. Those two guys have been solid. They have been good, but I, there's still some cohesion issues, some gelling issues that are going on at San Diego. Understandable with a brand new coach, brand new coaching staff, and a whole bunch of new players. Take some time to kind of get all of that put together. We'll see if San Diego can turn it around. I think uh, I don't have a lot of optimism that they're going to turn it around against an Arizona State team that just 
beat Creighton that has a 25-point victory over Michigan already on their calendar this year. Uh, but this is still at least a good test for Lavin's squad to get a chance to, to play against a quality opponent like the Sun Devils. Finally, we're wrapping it up. We're closing out the show with another St. Mary's game. If people feel like watching multiple St. Mary's games in a week, I know, again, it's not the most fun brand of basketball to watch, but they are taking on the Colorado State Rams in Moraga. Two nice home games coming up this week for the Gales. Uh, Colorado State is just inside the top 100. Ken Palm, they're 99th right now. This game is taking place Sunday at 5 p.m. Another nice chance for a a big win for Randy Bennett uh, at home against a good quality opponent out of the Mountain West in Colorado State. All right, that is going to do it for us today. Don't forget to check out the Lockdown College Basketball Podcast. It is available wherever you already get podcasts. It is also available on YouTube. So if you went to YouTube to subscribe to Lockdown Zags, first of all, thank you. And if you have not done so, just go to youtube.com, search Locked On Zags, hit that big red subscribe button. But while you are there, also go find Locked On College Basketball. Hit that subscribe button as well. It is very much appreciated. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.